Hello and welcome to Need2Go. Need2Go is a podcast meant to help you take your learning on the go. Our goal is to support administrators, tech coordinators, educators, and just anyone in their learning journey. So whether you are at home, work, the gym, or on your commute, we are glad you're joining us. Now for the latest episode of Need2Go. Hello, and welcome to this month's episode of our Need a Go podcast. Today, we wanted to take some time to review maybe some end-of-year Google-related tech tips, um, suggestions for workflow, uh, Google suite cleanup, whether it's Drive, email, et cetera, those kind of things. So I felt like longtime Nita member and supporter Otis Pierce joining us would be phenomenal. Um, I learn a lot professionally. I gain a lot personally from Otis as well, but I think he was always has great information to share. And in a recent conversation with him, I thought, you know what, Otis, you're going to be the perfect person to share this information, give some ideas. So those of you that don't know, Otis is a professional development coordinator at ESU7. He's also a Google certified education trainer um, and then co-hosts the Google Educator Group in Nebraska. So definitely has a lot of information, background knowledge, keeps up on all the Google things um, that we need to hear um, and learn daily. So I'm excited to have him on the podcast. Otis, welcome. Thanks, Heather. Glad to be here. So like I said, I thought you would be phenomenal, a great resource to share on some just workflow tips, ideas, end of year things. And you know, it could be students or teachers. I feel like we're all in this, oh my gosh, end of year, our emails are exploding, our drives are exploding. Sometimes you open up your drive, you have untitled documents, you have your emails, you have um, lots of different end of year suggestion changes, all kinds of things, whether you're staying in a district, leaving a district, maybe you're a senior, maybe you're transitioning from junior high to senior high. There's so many different scenarios. Um, but let's have a little conversation about what kind of workflow tips and tricks you would suggest with your Google expertise and knowledge and maybe some things you share um, with your area schools. Yeah, and that's that's a great place to start. You know, and one place uh, we can start is Google Drive. Um, that always seems to be the one besides mail uh, that gets a lot of use by students and teachers uh, all through the year. Um, you kind of mentioned the the untitled document. Sometimes we create an untitled document just to go ahead and say, all right, I'm going to show you this, but then we don't delete it right away and we have a drive full of untitled documents. Um, so one of the cleanup pieces you could have there is just by going and searching untitled uh, and get rid of those untitled documents if you don't need them. Um, you can select which ones you want to delete, which ones you want to keep. Um, what's nice is I actually use the grid view in Drive so I can see kind of a preview uh, of the document rather than a list view so I can tell, oh yeah, I need to keep that um, and and then rename it uh, if it is something that I want to keep. I know that's that's huge, you know, probably especially for students as well. They'll create something and put it in there but not necessarily title it. Um, and I know with trainings, and I, I think you're probably the same way, Heather, too, when you create something, title it. So you know what it is and if you don't want to keep it or, or anything as you go through um, is one keys piece. Um, I agree. And I love your suggestion about grid view versus list view. Um, I think by default, we're used to the list view, mm -hmm. um, but the grid view definitely 
is helpful as far as looking at that. And then your other suggestion is just searching untitled. Cause I think sometimes, you know, like when you're initially saying, look for those untitled documents, it's not really like a scroll, scroll, scroll. It's if you just search for that, you're going to find it just like you would search for something else. Yeah. You know, and, and another thing that I always use too, not only in the grid view, I always filter it by, by the recent rather than in alphabetical order, because you could also do it in alphabetical order and go down to the use and find all your untitled mm -hmm. pieces uh, as well as another way to look for those. Um, but I always do recents because those are a lot of the ones that I'm using most recently uh, and quickly and need access to, um, you know, so there's a couple of different ways to go ahead and search and find those untitled documents that you may not want uh, and get rid of them. And with the change now that Google had in that user uh, interface where you can have the little basically check boxes uh, instead of holding down the shift key all the time uh, or con command key or control to, to select multiple, you're able to go in and just do those little check boxes, but just make sure you're right on the checkbox. Otherwise it selects just the one and not the others that you've already checked. If you've checked 10 and you don't get that checkbox just right, all those 10 <laughs> that you just checked are going to be gone and you're going to have to start over again. So just be careful with that. I don't know if you've uh, seen I laugh, but I've had that happen before. Like you're just <laughs> clicking away. Yeah. Um, one of the ones I I feel like I use at different times of the year is starred. Mm-hmm. And especially right now, like I feel like there's end of year documents and part of my workflow is I star things that are important for like this time of year. So next week is May, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. And I, there's a lot of little things that I have to remember to do to remind whether I'm sending emails to seniors about cleaning out their drive or, you know, transferring their files to their personal account, all those other things. But do you use starred? Is that part of your workflow or do you have a different workflow for those kind of things? For some things I use starred, but for things like that, I actually use the priority drive. Okay. Um, so it's documents that I use either a lot through the year or that maybe those one times one time a year, I can create a priority drive with up to 25 documents in it. And those are right there. They're, they're, the documents are still in your drive. It's just you create a priority drive that is a quick way to access and, and it is a shortcut and they can be grouped. So it could be May seniors, uh, May everybody else, if you're wanting to send those documents out. Um, an example where I use it, uh, I also do cognitive coaching here at ESU 7. So I have a cognitive coaching priority drive with the documents that I use quite a bit to remind myself of, okay, these are the times I visit this school, these people at this school. Uh, so that I don't have to go maybe four or five folders down every time in my regular drive. I use the priority drive piece of it um, for that, you know, and that could be done by classes. Uh, it could be done by years. So mine is the priority drive, even though I do use starred for some things. Um, but priority drive is kind of my go-to. That's a good tip. And you know what? That's something that I have personally overlooked. So I actually wrote that down. So being part of the podcast, I just learned something that I'm going to challenge myself to use a little bit more. It makes, it makes total sense. Yeah. I think that, and that could be one that could be suggested to students too. Mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, it's just like anybody, like I might use starred. Well, I didn't know about priority. Well, now you shared priority. I did know about priority. I just didn't haven't explored it, but you just opened my eyes to, yeah, that might work better than starred. So yeah. again, everybody's workflow is different. And sometimes you, um, kind of stick with what you know 
until someone mm-hmm. shares something. And that's kind of the purpose of our conversation today. So thank you. Yeah. Um, you also mentioned kind of um, in the beginning of this too, you know, talking about with people either moving or or changing jobs or things like that. We had a situation uh, at one of our schools where um, like four, three or four National Honor Society sponsors ago uh, is gone and out of the district. So they deleted the account. Well, the current National Honor Society sponsor lost access to that document. Uh, And that document couldn't be found uh, because they just kept passing it on to the next one in their drives. Yep. So as an example here, if you are a class sponsor, um, activity sponsor, uh, extracurricular, any type of extracurricular sponsor, uh, my suggestion there is to create shared drives for those activities like National Honor Society, Student Council, um, you could do it for basketball, for any of the sports pieces, for, um, you know, speech so that they have some of those documents and pieces there, whatever other activities there are. Um, if you got it from a previous sponsor and you're not technically the owner because you can't move it over in there, mm-hmm. create a copy, which is the brand new document, and then move it over and start going right within those shared drives. That way it's owned by the domain. Uh, your Google domain, and if you go or your account gets deleted, whoever the sponsor down the road is still has access to those documents. That makes total sense. I was just having, my thought is like right now my mind is spinning because I just had a conversation with our special education department and they were trying to make a Google site to house all of their paperwork, procedures, just kind of different things. And they were looking for a suggestion. And one of my suggestions was like, I'm not sure sustainability wise, a Google site is the best because it's not necessarily public information. You know, Mm -hmm. like you think naturally you think of a Google site as something that you would share publicly. Mm -hmm. And obviously when you're talking special education documentation and procedures, that's within your school system. So within your domain, And I was thinking, yeah, if you create the site and it's only accessible by those that are in your domain, that's fine. However, if I owned that site and I left, then you're losing, like what you said, that sustainability of that work and process. So, yeah. And a shared drive is good there because you can still access or still control who has access to that shared drive. It's just Uh, not owned by somebody that's leaving your district potentially. Correct. Correct. Which is, which is great on that. Okay. Um, Well, I'm going to have a conversation and suggest that again this afternoon. It's kind of those things you think through when you have conversations with other people that are outside of your organization, kind of helping you strategize the best plan. Yeah. And kind of along the lines with the shared drive piece too, or priority drives is for, for students or even teachers is creating those yearly drives. So Mm -hmm. maybe they're, um, you know, for the 22-23 school year, they create a folder and move everything from this year into that folder. And that'll narrow up their drive as well. Um, that are maybe documents that are just going to be used for this year. That way they have access. And in a way for students, it creates that digital portfolio for them so they can see from their, you know, if they started in kindergarten, first grade, all the way to when they're gra- when they graduate, they're going to have access to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when they graduate, using the um, tool called Google Takeout 
if the schools open that up for students to be able to download everything from their drive in one file and then be able to upload it um, into their own Google, they're still going to have all that access. That folder structure is going to be there for them. Um, and they're not going to have to reorganize those pieces when they put it into their personal drive or another Google account uh, if they lose access to or when they lose access uh, to their school account. Good tip. Yes. And we're just crossing that bridge with our seniors. Same kind of thing. Just sent them the email um, to make sure they have that personal account so they can transfer that information over. Yeah. Um, email is another big one, Otis. Yes. And <laughs> there's a lot of ways. I mean, there's a lot of ways to organize, whether you're a leave is unread type person or a mm -hmm. folder person or a filter person. Um, I honestly don't even know where to start here or what we should start with, but look, thinking about the different ways to organize and workflow email. And this can, I mean, we're talking like end of year workflow. These, mm -hmm. I'm sure with email, we we're going to talk about things that could be year long, just different workflow tips. So yeah, exactly. you were to share your top two or top three that you recommend or share with others, what would those be as far as email workflow and tips? Yeah, my my first one, um, it's one is I use my inbox as my to-do list in a way uh, for things to remember. So if it's something I've read or I answered, uh, the biggest thing I tell teachers when I see, oh, you have 10,000 emails <laughs> in your inbox is archive. Yeah. Because if you archive, you can still access that email. It is now just out of your inbox. So it doesn't look like, oh, I have 10,000 emails and the oldest one is from 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, it's down to your short, shortest ones and the ones that are probably more important to help remind you uh, to do that. So those archiving and, and really you said it too, you know, the labels, putting those labels on them so you can maybe go and find them a little bit easier too. Um, because a lot of times if I know that I've archived it, I use the search bar. I use to and from with the colon and then the person's email a lot. Uh, when I'm going to find those. So I think the probably the biggest one, my biggest one, and I do it, and this is a, a daily thing, if not hourly thing for me, as my emails are probably going up during this podcast. <laughs> once, I, once I'm done with it, it's archive, archive, archive. I know I can always go back and find it. I'm not deleting it. It's out of my inbox. It's not deleted. It's under the archive side of things. It's under all mail, which is huge to kind of, you know, maybe get, lessen that anxiety of how much email you have in your inbox. And, oh man, I have all this to do. Um, along with the inbox style, you know, how you, how you look at your inbox as well. I, oh gosh, sometimes I am overwhelmed because I think I have the right workflow. And then I'm like, I don't know if that's the right workflow. So I'm constantly evaluating how how that works. One of the things that I really appreciate is the schedule send. Yes. As far as like you said, like your to-do list and your tasks, because I can easily, if I want to send something later this week, but I just want to, but I don't want to send it right now. The schedule send is helpful because it removes it from my to-do list, I guess. Yes. Yeah. That scheduled send is great. I use that a lot as well for my cognitive coaching. I can send those, set those things up. 
but also if I'm maybe working at night, um, cause something popped into my mind, I'll do that schedule send for the next morning. So it doesn't go right to their inbox right away. So hopefully I'm not disturbing them at home, um, mm -hmm. you know, either on an evening, a weekend, or if they're on vacation, uh, especially here in our PD department, you know, if somebody's on vacation, we try and minimize that communication to them so that they can just enjoy their vacation and reset. But that scheduled send, yes, I use that a lot. And it's nice to be able to not only send tomorrow morning, but then you can set the date and the time that you want it to send as well. So you could send it to somebody in a school setting during their planning period, because you know they'll be looking at their email at that time and have time to respond to it and act on it. That way they're not with kids and having to take time out of the class, teaching the kids to answer that email. Definitely. And then on the flip side of that, I feel like I use the snooze feature mm -hmm. a lot. More yeah, than I, I thought I would, I guess. You know, I at first I was like, why would I want to do that? But it does make sense. Yeah, I've used it a couple of times. That's one I don't use a whole lot. Uh, I do like when Google pops back up something that you've sent out to somebody that maybe has a question just to mm -hmm. kind of pop and it's kind of, a, oh, let me reply to this, moving this to the top of your inbox, you know, kind of thing to help remind if it's something that you need to get done. I do that. Um, snooze is probably something I could use a lot more. And that would also help clean up my inbox a little bit too. Mm -hmm. I like it for if someone's sending me a link to something that I need for like a meeting or a link I need for a document, that's something I'm going to access, like, let's say on Friday. Then mm -hmm. I just snooze that until Friday and then it pops back up. So I don't have to leave it in my inboxes unread. It just comes back at that specific time when it's pertinent to the task that I have at that time. So I've used it then. Um, or a reminder, like sometimes something will come through and it's like, hey, don't forget you are bringing treats for something in two weeks. And they'll send me the reminder why well, I want it to snooze, but come back to my inbox or come back and remind me the night before or something. So just workflow things like that. I've appreciated the snooze button more than I ever thought I would. Yeah. And, and as you said, everybody's different trying to find those pieces that work out best. I don't know that I've ever gotten to inbox zero there. <laughs> I've been close yeah. with maybe like two or three, but I have never gotten there. Uh, I don't know that I ever will get there uh, with everything going on. So yeah, finding the workflow, not only in Drive, but emailed as well, too, that that work for you and that work the best, you know, that's it's a lot of trial and error sometimes, too. It is. Um, the only other thing I thought maybe we could touch base on, and it's not something I use regularly, but it might work for someone that's constantly sending the same email, is creating those templates mm -hmm. in your email to reply. So it could be something, trying to think of use case scenarios, but for a teacher that has sent out an email to a bunch of parents for, I don't know, a field trip or something, and some of that communication might come through a different format. But if you're replying with the same message to something, those templates can come in handy. Yeah, they can. I haven't used it a whole lot um, just because we obviously work through the entire summer. So I my replies obviously are a little bit different to folks yeah. but for teachers where it's going to be the same thing of reminders and pieces like, Oh yes, don't remember to do this. Yeah. Those templates are helpful. Uh, they can also be a start for something that you may want to add more on as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it could also be some templates for, you know, when a student does something good on a test, 
uh, or a quiz or does something good in class, you have those quick ones right there, boom, it's in, add what little bit you need to to adjust for the specific student and off you go. So you don't have to type an entire email or go find another one and copy and paste it over. That's a good idea too. Yep, student feedback or mm -hmm. you're working with a bunch of teachers, feedback for that too. Great. Yeah. Um, the only other thing I thought might be helpful, we kind of talked about drive and email. There's definitely some good apps and extensions out there that help with workflow. Do you have a couple mm -hmm. favorite apps and extensions that might help or you would suggest to teachers or even well, students? Yeah, one, you know, in we didn't really talk about this, but this is kind of in Google Keep. Uh, if people use a lot of Google Keep, um, the app, or it's actually an extension in Chrome that I that I often suggest, is Category Tabs for Google Keep. Oh, yeah, and I do have that one. What that one does, it allows you to filter by color of note that you have. So if you're doing... Um, a note for, for teachers say maybe it's first period and even students first period, a different color for second period, a different color for third, a different one for meetings, whatever it might be. Um, you can filter those out by just the color and it shows it's, it's a sort really by that color. So you just see first period, you'll see all of your first period tabs or reminders or um, conference notes or however you're using Google Keep, it filters that out. That is one that I use a lot. Um, another that I use some too, uh, for when I'm presenting, if you're wanting to remember tabs or pull certain tabs up for a certain class, but you don't want to have 5 million tabs open on your, uh, browser, I like using tab cloud, the extension tab yes. cloud, um, to save those. And then it just pulls right up in a different window and they're all right there. I'll do that for presentations that I do, um, if it's a tab and it brings it up right there uh, are some ones that I use a lot. Those are a couple that I use quite a bit. I'm a group tab person, but I think that's because, I don't know, I think maybe you can see my screen and all the tabs. You, you kind of called me out there. I have a lot <laughs> of tabs open. You're you're not the only one, Heather. Uh, and, and, one, and one thing that I always see too, if in the top right-hand corner, your update is in red, you really need to update mm -hmm. so in Google to stay up to date. So yeah, that's just one thing that I always tell people when I see that, hey, you need to update your red. Yes, and that one kind of naturally helps your workflow because if you feel like things are spinning or moving slow, sometimes that yeah. and affects your workflow in general. But I'm a a pin tab or a group tab person is kind of a couple of things I use regularly mm -hmm. as far as organizing yeah. tabs. Yeah, I pin the tabs that I go to a lot uh, on a daily basis that I'll go to, to multiple times a day. Like I have Drive is tab is pinned, uh, Mail is pinned, my calendar is pinned. Um, I have Feedly pinned as well for my blogs, for my RSS feed for my blogs. And we have ClassLink here at ESU72 and my ClassLink is also. So I know that those are going to open up every single time mm -hmm. uh, for me when I open it up just because I use them multiple times a day uh, and I don't have to have, they're not taking up as much real estate uh, with all the other tabs that I have open. If I have a whole lot, I don't like to get too many tabs open at once, but that's just me. Yeah. And that makes sense. And again, it kind of comes back to everybody's personal workflow because, mm -hmm. you know, pin tabs works for some and some really like the bookmarks, you know, for example, yeah. 
their workflow works for them. Um, people like me who have a lot of bookmarks, I'm pen tab is faster than scrolling through my bookmarks that I should organize. So, um, we didn't, haven't really talked a lot about calendar, but my extension, I guess that I took away at need of was checker plus for Google calendar. And I like that if I don't have my calendar open, I know you said you pin yours, but checker plus just allows me to click on the extension and then it opens up to today and I can just do a quick scroll and I don't even have to open a new tab and I can see what's on my calendar for that yeah. day. So that was kind of a big takeaway for me. Something that I was like, Oh, that kind of helps my workflow. Yeah. Mine's my calendar's pinned because I live off of my calendar. Um, that's the, about the only way I know what's happening in the next couple of days or a couple of weeks. Cause I couldn't tell you what's going on because I live off of my calendar <laughs> with what's going on uh, at work. Cause we're so many different places. So that totally makes sense. Even, yeah. Yeah. So before we close out, Otis, do you have any other organization tips, extensions that could relate to Google Drive? I, I loved your suggestion for Keep, too. I'm a very color-oriented person, so that's helpful. Anything else you might have missed or didn't talk about that you would want to share? Yeah, I th I think we all kind of, we kind of talked about it. You know, find a way that works for you. Um, I am a first child, but I am not the OCD organized first child. I am the organized piler first child. Uh, if you've read the, the birth order books, my stuff is always in piles. I know which pile it is in. It may take me a while to find it, but I'll find it. Uh, my drive looks exactly the same way. Uh, so I search a lot in there for mine and we'll do some organization pieces, uh, but find a way that works for you uh, and go with it. Because the ways that you and I talked about today may not be a way that works for the person listening to this. Parts of it might be, but parts of it might not be. And, and that is completely okay too, but make it your own. Find your own way to do it. Uh, your students will find their own way to do it as well. But just make it your own and, and go with it. And your way is perfectly right for you. I agree with you 100%. And it reminds me, I did um, have an email from a teacher yesterday asking about supporting some kids transitioning from like paper planners to digital planners. Mm -hmm. And the same, it was, it was basically a similar conversation via email as what you just said, because they were trying to discuss whether like Google calendar would help workflow or work best for these students. And my suggestion was exactly what you just said, like show them Google keep, show them tasks, you know, the tasks that you can do mm -hmm. right from your Google Doc, yeah. right from your drive um, for workflow, Google Keep tasks. And there's another one I said, I can't remember what it was. But anyway, the purpose of my um, response with those suggestions was give them two or three things to choose from to figure out what workflow works best for them so that they can own it and they're not forced into something that they might not be comfortable with. Exactly. So same exact thing you've said, but it works for adults and students, I think. So that's great. Yes. Well, again, Otis, thank you for your time. I appreciate your support um, of Nita always. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and definitely you and Mickey's support of Google across the state, sharing everything you gain and learn and making it a point to make sure that you guys are transparent with what you know um, as you share through your Google Educator group, as you share through ESU. Um, and across the street. So personally and professionally, thank you 
um, very much. And I appreciate your time. Definitely appreciate your support of Nita and all the listeners. We appreciate you listening to our podcast. And until next time, thank you very much.